everybody, and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. Every week, we will catch up with all things money, honey. It's your hosts, Angelica and Tisha. We're coming to you anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow along with us on Instagram at Money Made Easy Podcast and also on our website at MoneyMadeEasyPodcast.com. We'll be talking all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it in the easiest way possible. Our goal is to educate, uplift, and empower you to feel confident in your financial decisions. Now, you may be asking yourselves, are you both money experts? (laughs) Heck no, not even close. We're far from it. We will be bringing on some of the best experts in the biz to set you up for success. Now, on to this week's show. Hello, everyone. Today we have the amazing Tori Dunlap. She has been featured in Good Morning America, Forbes, Business Insider, just to name a few. She has raised her first $100,000 at just 25 years old and started her business at nine years old. So Tori, just give us a little bit of a rundown of who you are, how you started, what business did you start at nine years old? I'm so interested to learn about it all. But um, yeah, if you want to just get a little, give us a little background of who you are. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, her first 100K definitely didn't start at nine years old. They were two yeah. different businesses. Um, so I actually, yeah, started my first business when I was nine. I ended up owning 15 vending machines, the kind where you put a quarter in, you get a handful of candy out. Um, I had 15 of those by the time I graduated high school. All the profits went to my college fund. And then I later sold that business to a 10-year-old who also happens to be named Tori, because that's how this crazy world works. Wow. So now she's doing the same thing with the help Love of her it. family. But yeah, I... I realized the business thing was rare. I knew that that was not normal, but I grew up thinking uh, that, okay, everybody knows not to overspend on credit cards and everybody knows how to negotiate their salary. And of course I realized very quickly that um, most people don't and that it's a privilege. And I figured with the privilege came the responsibility for me to start having conversations about money and start sharing knowledge and actionable resources for minority groups, specifically women. um, Because we're unfortunately, we're told to not talk about money. We're told that, um, money, you know, wanting money is evil and that it's not becoming. And, uh, I think that's one of the biggest things that keeps us behind is the lack of, um, resources for women. So after saving a hundred thousand dollars at age 25, I, uh, kind of started her first hundred K, which is financial feminism. So how can I coach, write, and speak about money for women, uh, in a way that gives them actionable resources to budget, save, invest, and negotiate and fight the patriarchy. Wow. Love it. That is incredible. And I'm so excited about this episode. (laughs) Uh, Well, okay. Well, if you want to first start off with um, how you even got involved with um, owning vending machines and how that even starts or happens, or, I mean, I know you mentioned that um, your parents, you know, taught you a lot growing up with money, I guess. So like, what was your money mindset growing up and um, how did you get into the vending machine uh, business? Yeah. So both my parents were super financially responsible. I saw my dad negotiate our cable bill like every other month. I saw my mom balance the checkbook on the same two days, the 13th and the 21st of the month. Um, And I saw them make really smart financial choices. And my dad always has kind of had this entrepreneurial spirit, wanted to be an entrepreneur, but has never done it himself. And so he's a salesman, has been for 20, 25 years. And he had a customer who owned these vending machines and was trying to get rid of them. And so one day he literally bought one and I'm sitting in the family room after school and he comes in and he plops it down in front of me in the family room and says, do you want to start a business? And nine-year-old me is like, sure. Yeah, let's do it. And so, yeah, I mean, about, oh gosh, five, 10, no, it was about five years later, I ended up owning, yeah, 15 and grew it to the point where I was managing my own money. I had my first savings account when I was 10. I was writing checks for the product to go in my machine at, you know, 10, 11. And (laughs) yeah, I was managing profit and loss statements and was pitching myself and was understanding that, okay, I can't expand the business until I have the money to do so. So like, I didn't invent anything. I didn't go on Shark Tank. It wasn't in any way novel, but I learned how to start a business and learned how to manage my own money. Which is so huge at 10 years old. Oh my goodness. There's that's huge at 20 or 30. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. amazing. It was a really cool gift my parents gave me. And I, I would not be uh, as financially minded, most definitely not, if, if I hadn't grown up in the way I did. 
Well, and I love that you gave, sorry. Um, I love that you gave that back to like, kind of gave that gift to a 10 year old, like, right. You said you sold it, your business to a 10 year old, um, a couple of years after. Yeah. So I was, I think either my junior or senior year of college, I think it was my senior year of college. So I was 21. So it was 11 years later. I sold, yeah, about half the business. So seven machines to 10 year old Tori who gosh has to be, well, if I was 21 and she was 10, just to be in high school now. So she is, you know, doing the same thing I did and learning how to manage her money and learning how to be a business owner. And so, yeah, I wanted at least part of my business to go to somebody like that. Like I wanted to make sure that, um, because it was, it was sentimental. It was, it was nostalgic. It was not just these machines. It was like what they stood for and what they meant. So yeah, I was really, I was really pleased that half of them ended up going to, um, to a to a young girl who's going to do the same thing and she looks like me that's the crazy thing I actually wow. have you're not gonna be able to hear this obviously on the podcast recording but I have literally a photo this is the day I sold oh my, my business gosh. and we look alike like <laughs> wow. she looks like she looks like she's a like younger sister. sister no legitimately wow. and like I wore my glasses that day I normally wear contacts <laughs> and so she's wearing glasses in this photo too yeah it's crazy so we we look alike. I'll I'll Full try circle. to send you the photo we can put in the show. Yes, notes, but yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, it looks. She looks exactly like me, or I look exactly like her. So yeah, yeah, crazy. That's amazing. That's so great. Well, and I love that now. In you passed that on to her, sold that to another ten year old, and now you're passing on your knowledge to so many mm-hmm. women and so many people for free every day on Instagram. You give so much great advice. You give your posts are full of advice. You, uh, your stories are full of advice. And, um, and then you also have some courses that you offer. Um, and so why don't you tell us a little bit about all of that? Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to work with me. I always say I'm way cooler on Instagram, but that's my primary platform is, is Instagram. And so that's where the majority of my community hangs out. So Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to give resources, um, to, to women, regardless of whether they're in a financial position to be able to afford, uh, for those resources. So I give a lot of free content on Instagram. Um, as well as, I mean, I am a small business. I'm a women-owned business. And so the best thing that you can do to support me and my content is, is paying for it. So I have um, courses that I've launched. Uh, the Master Your Money course is currently closed, but that was a huge, we launched it this year. That was a huge first enrollment um, partnered with my, my friend Alexis, who's a positive psychology coach to really unearth Amazing. all of uh, all of the stuff you have around money growing yes. up as a kid and, and understanding those and why you keep self-sabotaging yourself. And then the more actionable side of like, how do you pay off that? How do you start investing? Mm-hmm. How do you start saving? How do you create a budget that works for you? So the Master Your Money course we usually launch, we're going to launch probably two to three times a year. Um, but I do workshops, uh, live virtual workshops, oh, usually nice. twice a month one about negotiating, negotiating a salary. I've successfully negotiated at least 10% in every job I've held. And I think I helped about how much I ran the numbers the other day. Last year, it was about $150,000 extra that I helped women get through negotiation coaching. So yeah, that was huge. So I do a negotiation workshop with like the the script you need to either negotiate Mm -hmm. for a raise or a new salary. And then I do a personal finance 101 workshop. So how to stop emotionally spending, how to pay off debt, how to get a budget together, um, an intro to retirement accounts. And so I do both of those usually twice a month. And then I have a bunch of templates and that sort of thing. And then private one-on-one coaching. And I also speak all around the country all around the world about about money and financial feminism and so um yeah there's a bunch of different ways to engage with me and hopefully I can help you and counsel you through this this often scary thing that's money when it's really not that scary yeah and I love that you personalize you give your personal side to you proclaim <laughs> your love for uh <laughs> for Timothy Shalomet and yep. then you also share you share you share your dating life, um, and that's it, it makes it uh, believable and understandable and relatable. Yeah. I think, and that's so important. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I am a I am a three dimensional person. I didn't want to just talk about the thing I do for my career. Yeah, I didn't want to just talk about money, although that's predominantly what I do talk about. I wanted to show you that, yeah, I'm a real person who's obsessed with Oscar-nominated actor Timothee <laughs> Chalamet. Like, I love fried chicken. Like, I love all of these things. I go on disastrous dates sometimes, and they're absolutely <laughs> fun to talk about. And so, 
Um, I think if I'm going to ask you to talk about this really scary thing, which is money, and I'm, if I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable, you need to know who I am. You mm-hmm. need to know that I'm not just talking to you about money and that, you know, this is the professional side of me. You also need to see that, yeah, I'm a real person. I'm, you know, I, I want you to trust me. I want to build that relationship in a way that, that is authentic. And so, mm-hmm. um, my background's in marketing from a business standpoint, it makes a lot of sense for people to see the full, the full version of me. Yeah. But at the same time, that just always, always felt like the right thing to do for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have a Finsta. The Finsta is like, you know, your private Instagram account. Oh. That is, that is my personal Instagram account as well as my professional. So yeah, anything I'm, I'm posting on Instagram, it's going to be on that one account. So <laughs> Yeah, I always like I, the Oscars were yesterday, and so Timothy uh, was a presenter, and I just warned people. I was like, "If you need to mute me, if you need to unfollow me, it's gonna be a whole meltdown all day." <laughs> I love you. I love. Go be sure and check out her Instagram. She's got a great meme of uh, <laughs> of him with he's the four hundred one k, and is that um, Margot Robbie? Yeah, Margot oh Robbie. Oh my gosh. Is her hands on each side of her face and that's her. So I love that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's, that she's photo holding... came out and I was like, I have to meet it immediately. Yes. I was like, here we go. So, <laughs> great. so great. I love it. Oh. <laughs> so what are, you said that you realized uh, that people aren't, uh, that they were spending more than they made and that they didn't know some of the obvious things. What would you say are some of the common mistakes that you see again and again? Yeah. Um, I think overspending on credit cards is always one of the biggest ones. Um, mm-hmm. if you're using a credit card for an emergency, obviously we'd rather not have you do that. That's why I counsel getting an emergency fund, like as the number one financial principle is have something in savings to cover yourself for emergencies. But if you're using a credit card for emergencies, because you absolutely have to, that's different. If you're spending money on a credit card and you're using it basically as a loan, um, to overspend, that's, it's so easy to get into credit card debt and it's so mm-hmm. hard to get out. Like it's so, so hard. Um, and especially when you're paying the minimum balance, like credit card debt feels like you're drowning because you're really not making any progress, unfortunately, yeah. because you're not paying any money towards the principle of that debt. So that's one of the biggest things I see. Um, the other thing is like, we talk about the wage gap a lot. And of course we should continue talking about that. Mm-hmm. 78 cents to a man's dollar, depending on who you talk to. Unfortunately, even worse if you're a woman of color. But what we're not talking about as much is the investing gap. So in a heteronormative relationship, if you are partnered with a man, typically the man will handle the bigger picture wealth building parts of the financial picture. So we're talking Mm -hmm. um, investing, buying property, um, negotiating raises, that sort of thing. A woman is typically handling the day-to-day finances. So grocery shopping, coupon clipping, budgeting, which are important, but in the grand scheme of things, like investing is the thing that's actually building wealth. Mm -hmm. And so we have the wage gap, right? So less money. And then women either wait longer to invest or don't invest at all. So we're taking less money. It's growing at a slower rate. And then women on average live seven years longer than men do. So less money growing at a slower rate. And then we're expected to live longer on that money. Mm -hmm. And so we have to have conversations beyond the wage gap. And of course, continue to have conversations about that. That's super important, but like, okay, when we give, give women money and women, women get money, how do we make sure that they're making responsible choices? And how do we make sure that it's not just, in a savings account or a checking account where you're earning like nothing in interest. We need to be investing that. That's the other thing I see a lot is um, the women who are saving, which is amazing, will, will just pile all their money in Mm -hmm. a savings account or a checking account um, because they either don't know what to do with it or don't feel confident enough to go invest. Um, That's the number one thing. Number one reason why women don't invest is fear, fear Mm -hmm. of doing it incorrectly or doing it wrong. And so, right. And, um, I think for too long investing, uh, we were just told it wasn't our, our place, right? We were told it it wasn't for us. We were told it was risky or like it was gambling. I mean, wall street for goodness sakes is like the most masculine thing you've ever seen. Like it's a bull and it's a bear (laughs) and it's a bunch of dudes like shouting about like China gold and like sell and buy and trade and all these things. Right. you watch any movie about wall street and it's just Mm -hmm. a bunch of dudes and it's not very accurate either because they're doing the riskiest part of investing, which is like single stock trading, individual stock trading. So I think just, we have to start talking about investing as, um, 
as a not scary thing. And that's the way you build wealth, right? That's the way you make sure to take care of yourself in retirement. 65 year old you who's like living it up in Florida and like engaged to like this hot Pilates instructor named Luca, right? Like we have to start talking about that. We have to start talking about like, how do you build a kick-ass retirement for 65 year old you Mm -hmm. as opposed to like thinking about, oh my God, I, okay, I'll buy 10 shares of Amazon stock because really that is the riskiest side of investing. So we just need to have more conversations, not just about the wage gap, but about investing and wealth growing mm-hmm. in that way, because the patriarchy has made it really impossible for us because it's a bunch of old, rich, white guys who want to continue getting rich and making each other rich. And so they make it intimidating. They make it scary when it's really not that scary because they don't want to lose their resources. Okay. Rant over, but no, I love investing it. gap. <laughs> Keep it going. I know that was too good. That was so great. What would you uh, recommend to a woman or to anyone, but we'll, you know, specifically here, we're talking about females and not investing. So someone, a female that hasn't invested before, where would you recommend she start? What would be the first step she should possibly take? Yeah. I mean, there are a ton of, um, tax advantage retirement account resources out there for you. So if you get a 401k or a 403b through your work, especially if there's a match, take it, mm-hmm. please take it because that is free money with a match. Um, and you have an IRA. If you either don't have a 401k or if you want to do both, you have an IRA option. You also have a bunch of self-employment retirement account options. As far as just getting in started investing and understanding how to do that, Obviously, I'm here as a resource. I talk about investing a lot. Um, my favorite investing, one of my favorite investing resources is my friend Amanda, who runs Dumpster Dog Blog. Yes, she, has she came great, on our show. And she, oh, great. She great she's, interview. She's a good friend of mine. Yeah, so her course, Invested Development, is a is an amazing resource. And then I actually am partnered with a company called Elevest, and they're a women-founded, mm-hmm. women-focused investing platform. Um, happy to send you a link for the show notes as well. But really, they're committed to... Um, getting women started investing, even if it's like $5. A lot of these companies have a minimum of 500 or a thousand. You can get started with very little money. Um, and they're, they're focused on women. And so they're really counseling you through it and helping you make decisions. So it's not just like you feeling super overwhelmed at what Mm -hmm. like ETF you choose. So, um, there's a bunch of resources out there. You just, you, I, I almost said you just have to look for them, but really there's a lot of us out there like that are trying to be in your yeah. face talking about this. So it's not something that, um, that is that you're putting off or saying like, Oh, I'll do it next time. Or like, Oh, investing is just for rich people. It's like, no, that's investing makes you rich yeah. and we want yes. you to be rich. Well, and you have to be open to those conversations. Like you said, I mean, if you're never, if you just keep putting it on the side and you're like, Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. It'll just never be done. So it's yeah. like, I think all, and that's why I love like your feed and I love like all the things that you offer just on your Instagram, because if they happen to stumble on it on their Instagram, like, Oh wow. Like, look at this awesome girl who like is, you know, the same age as me and she is a hundred thousand dollars. Like I can't even, you know, pay rent. Like, so it just, it's like to have that more like personal, um, you know, like you said, authentic self on Instagram as well. Um, has helped. I mean, before we started this podcast, I never really realized how big this debt-free community really is on Instagram and it's inspiring and amazing. And I'm so happy that we're able to find all these amazing women who are killing it in the finance world. And I just don't know if that's really on the explore page on Instagram. It's not, right. you know, like it's not the sexy things that people don't like to like talk about, which is unfortunate because like you said, it's all the things that we need to be talking about, but well, and that's the patriarchy. Yes. At work, right? Is the more you don't talk about it, the more the patriarchy wins. And I talk yeah. about this a lot, but like the, the theory of the ostrich effect, which is like you bury your head in the sand, you act like it doesn't exist, and you just expect your problems to go away. Yes. And I do this in other areas of my life too. Like, let me be honest with myself. Like, you know, there's so many times where I'm like, I really shouldn't eat like shit all the time. And then I go and I have like an entire pizza and I'm like, well, cool. <laughs> like, and I'm just gonna act like that didn't happen. <laughs> but we do the same thing with our money, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, like that episode of Parks and Recreation where Andy puts all his bills in the freezer and it's just like, they're not going to go away. Or the episode of New Girl where Nick puts all of his bills in his cardboard box and puts them mm-hmm. in a closet. Like there's a million pop culture references of the ostrich effect of like yeah. people just not looking at their money. And 
what I tell people is you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You have to settle in that for a little bit in order for change to happen in order for you to get a plan together because it's not just going to magically fix itself. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason why I use Instagram is I get to kind of sneak in there and provide content to you about money in a way that feels digestible and like, oh, you're just scrolling through IG, right? It's kind of sneaky, sneaky, but I do it on purpose of like, okay, you have this pretty picture of food and then you have this fashion blogger and then you also have me who's going to like hopefully teach you something about money really fast. So, well, and I think, I think this is the perfect time to mention because in addition to the post with Timothy uh, Chalamet yesterday, the meme, you also posted about it's day 35. Your girl has already maxed her Roth IRA and her HSA. Not a bad start to 2020. And that that was six IRA and 3550 for the HSA. I mean, yes, get it, girl. And what <laughs> an you. example. Yeah, really. Well, and, and, and I appreciate so that. Thank you. Somebody seeing that can go, wow, if she's already maxed out those, why haven't I put $5 towards mine? <laughs> right. Well, Hopefully and that's, that's the other the reason of people can take. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. And I think that's the power of talking in real numbers as well is mm-hmm. like, yeah, I have invested almost 10 K already this year. Like, let's mm-hmm. talk about those specific numbers. I talked about how much I made or the revenue in my business in January. I five X to my nine to five income in January. And I talked wow. about literally the exact number. I think it was like 33,400 something dollars. Like I listed an exact number. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is so important is not just talking about money in these like general superfluous terms, but also being really specific around like, what's my salary? Where do I want to be? How much did I save? How much credit card debt do I have? What are my goals this year? And I think that's where change really starts to happen. Um, and the last thing I want to do is come in as a quote unquote money expert and just be like, I saved a lot of money. Take my advice. Like mm-hmm. that's not genuine. I, sh- there's no reason to trust that. So I want to come to you and be like, yeah, hundred K goal. We hit it. And I've proven literally taking screenshots of my account balances to show that like, yes, this actually happened. We're talking about exactly what I made at all of my nine to five jobs over the years or exactly what I'm making in my business. And I think obviously there's, uh, there's a certain amount of um, privacy with that. And so I get why a lot of people don't do it. But at the same time, if you're going to talk about being transparent and the importance of money conversations and you're not going to have them yourself, yeah, call in kettle black. Yeah. Well, and it's so extremely good. inspiring for like us as entrepreneurs to know that that like, I mean, we've talked about this in a lot of different episodes, but it like as an entrepreneur, just getting past that mindset of like knowing your worth and knowing your value, but then also seeing other women who are doing, you know, having their own business and making like five times their salary. Like it's incredible and so inspiring. And you're like, okay, yeah, I could do it too. You know, like you yeah. just immediately like, you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And that's where I want to be. Uh, I'm kind of transitioning my business to be just the kind of money person in six mm-hmm. months to a year. I don't want to just talk about personal finance. I want to talk about personal finance. And I also want to talk about how I did what I did. I grew mm-hmm. my business over three years on the side until I quit to run this thing full time. And I've only been a full time entrepreneur. Gosh, is this month two, month three? Wow. So it's, oh, wow. I it's a conversation. That. Yeah. 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 Wow. I quit late last year. Damn, so, girl. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, I think again, it's, it's having those conversations about money and I want to transition to a point of just being the money person, not just mm-hmm. personal finance. So I want to talk to you about your personal finances, but I also want to give you, I, I want to give you an out. I want to give you freedom. Mm-hmm. If, if that's something you want to do, if you want to quit your nine to five and start your own business and, um, learn how to, how to make your money work in that way, I want to teach you how to do that too. I mean, I want to put my five years of marketing experience to work yeah. with helping you brand yourself and helping you tell your own story and figuring that out too. So um, eventually, yeah, I'm hoping to get to the point where, and I will get to the point where mm-hmm. I'm talking about money, um, both as you know a W-2 employee and as an entrepreneur and, yeah. and figuring out how you can manage, manage both. Both. That's amazing. What, uh, what are a few things that you did to grow your business over that three, you said three years you were doing, working on your side yeah. hustle before you quit. So what yeah. were some of the things that worked the best? What were some of the things, if you had any flops in there, uh, share, share a few of those things with us. Sure. Um, 
the first thing I did, it sounds so obvious, but like, I didn't quit my job. <laughs> like I had so many people ask me every day, like, when are you going to quit? When are you going to quit and do your own thing? Mm-hmm. And I stayed probably longer than I needed to both because I'm like miss stability, miss security. Like I really yeah. wanted like health insurance and all of those <laughs> things. I want it. Well, so I have health insurance now. I want to be very clear, but I wanted somebody else to pay for it. Yes. Right. Um, but it was, it was a really conscious choice on my part to, to choose that stability because I was able to make risky choices in my business because I wasn't afraid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't worried about that paying my bills. So like I killed my best selling product last year. Mm-hmm. I used to do a one-on-one uh, just money coaching session. Now I have to, now I do them in packages, but I would do like a one hour coaching session and those sold like gangbusters, but they just, it was a lot of energy and it was a lot of just talking to people once. And so they'd go out yeah. and make changes, but it wasn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I ended up just killing that product. I got rid of it. I still don't offer it. Um, and that was a, that was a choice that was, that I was able to make because I wasn't reliant on my business to pay mm-hmm. my bills. So I was able to take that risk feeling like, okay, I'm going to be fine. Even if this doesn't pay off. Um, and then I also was able to do what I call serving before selling, which I still try to do now. Um, I didn't sell anything for almost two years, actually. Mm-hmm. I built my business over time. I built an Instagram following. I, I built trust with people. I gave them advice and guidance and, again, allowed my business to grow organically. And then when I did start selling things, I had a built-in audience already available to me. Yeah. So, um, I was really committed to making sure that my values and my mission were set. And that's what I mean by service before selling, um, before, yeah, I tried to, I tried to market any of my services. Um, and the big thing is like the, and the more actionable tip is, uh, or the more tactical tip, I guess, um, please make sure you're setting aside money for your taxes. Like, please make sure you're setting aside the standard rules about 30 to 40%, uh, just to be safe put that in a high yield savings account, set that aside as soon as you get paid. Um, because that's the thing you don't realize when you're self-employed is that like mm-hmm. no one's taking the taxes out. So if, again, if you get paid like a thousand dollars for a project, that's actually not a thousand dollars of income, right? Mm-hmm. Is you have 30% for taxes. So now it's $700 and you probably have business expenses. So let's say that's $200 that just got cut in half. So yeah. when you priced yourself, think about taxes, think about your expenses and make sure you're paying those first. So it doesn't get to like March and April. And you're like, where am I going to find 30% of my income to pay my tax? Yeah. Well, and I think looking at your journey through all of this, I mean, it's important for people to realize like, it's not just an overnight success. Like you're not just like (laughs) one day, like I want to quit my job and start a business and let's just get it all at once. Like, no, it does Mm -hmm. not happen that way. And I kind of have a similar story. I started my photography back in like high school and then it was always a side thing, but my biggest thing was mindset. Like I never believed Mm -hmm. I could do it. And so that was always my, like, why I like really feel like I've never really fully gotten to where I want to be, but like I getting there, making progress. (laughs) Yeah. Getting there. Um, But I, but back when I was in college and I was working and doing this and going to school, like I was able to make more risks because of the fact like, or take on more jobs that were maybe like, it just, it's yeah. Having a lot of people like, you know, are so quick to want to quit their job on their side hustle and all of this. But I think it's important to realize like, it's nice to have that stability. It's nice to have that insurance paid for. It's nice to like, we don't get paid time off as, you know, uh, entrepreneurs. Like we pretty much work, you know, whenever we can. And so I think, you know, people are so quick to want to quit their nine to five so quickly. And it's like, we have to realize the pros and cons and weigh it and make that like conscious decision first. And I really appreciate you saying that. And the other thing I'll say as well is that, um, Instagram, a lot of Instagram doesn't help mm-hmm. of just like oh, hustle yes. and quit your job and go full time, you know, entrepreneur as soon as you can. And like, that's a super privileged statement mm-hmm. to just be like, quit your job and like, you'll be fine. And it's like, <laughs> I, I, I understand too. And I, I did an interview the other day where I talked about this. Um, I am a single woman. I don't have children. I don't have a partner. I, uh, I have financially independent parents. I, no one relies on me except me. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing too, is like, yeah, at 25, I was able to quit to run my own business because I had spent three years building my business, but also because I'm in a financial position where I can. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's a huge thing to consider. And not everybody has to be an entrepreneur. Like if that's something you want, amazing. I'm going to help you get there. Other people are going to help you get there. 
but there's nothing wrong with a W-2 salary, nothing wrong at all. Um, so yeah, it's very easy to get caught up in, caught up in the, the need to be an entrepreneur. For me, I knew within two weeks of my first corporate job that that was going to have to be me. Like I just knew it very, very early. Some people like don't have that itch and that's totally, totally okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree for sure. Well, and I think like finding, you know, whether it is either entrepreneurship or a corporate job, like just knowing what makes you happy and makes you feel fulfilled. Like maybe I think there's such a pressure, especially against millennials to like Like, find your purpose in life so quick. And yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, I have so many friends who, you know, we graduate and they want their like dream job right on the boat. And it, it just doesn't always happen that way. And I think Uh we're like, so, you know, manicured to learn that growing up and like, Oh, like you're going to like, what do you want to do? Okay. You want to be an astronaut? Perfect. Just go to school and you'll get there. Like, no, it's bullshit. Like that's not what happens. Like it takes a lot of work and dedication and a lot of relationship building and networking. And there's so much more involved and it's, it's sad because I feel like so many people either give up or they just are like, you know, they settle and it's, I think, you know, I don't know. There's just so many things to talk about it, but, um, no, and there is no perfect job. Right. Even an entrepreneur, like I, there's challenges that I don't face anymore, like shitty bosses and Mm -hmm. misogynistic comments at work. But I also get misogynistic comments online now. Right. Or I get, you know, I, I have, uh, I have to be really intentional about, like you said before, like setting boundaries, like making Mm -hmm. sure like I'm taking tomorrow, which is a Tuesday off. I'm taking all day. Like I literally, I have to go and force myself. I have to like delete Instagram. Yeah. Like I have to, I have like, cause I can't, I, need to start doing that. <laughs> I, I will check it. Uh, and even like I said this weekend, Saturday was like, I was going to delete Instagram and I redownloaded it like three different times to just like check in. Right. And so like, it's really, it's really easy <laughs> as an entrepreneur to not be able to like set boundaries. And so yeah. you have your own challenges when you're an entrepreneur too. It's 100%. definitely not all roses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I can keep going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a whole, this is a whole interview and episode in and of itself. It's, it's amazing. And, uh, and it could be, but I'm going to actually take a little turn here. You do have a whole, you do give a workshop on negotiating a salary raise, yeah. negotiating a raise. Um, could you give us a few uh, tips? Obviously just, you know, not don't give us your whole workshop spiel, but maybe just a couple, couple of things, or even just uh, the, uh, I would think that the first is the mindset and, and mm-hmm. changing your mindset and having the confidence to ask for a raise is a huge thing. Yeah. Um, the number one thing I tell people is that negotiations are collaborations, not conflicts. Mm-hmm. So we Ooh, see negotiations good, as good. like brawls, right? It's like, I'm going to put on my boxing gloves. I'm going to unsheath my sword and I'm going to have to like fight to the death in order to get what I want. Um, and that's not, that's not a negotiation. That's an argument. That's a fight. That's a conflict. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So what you're doing is you're, you're going into this conversation and you are on the same team as your boss or as your potential boss. And you're, you together are fighting the issue of you not being compensated fairly. You guys are not on opposite teams. You're on the same team trying to work to find a solution. So throughout the entire negotiation process, and I talk about this in more detail in the workshop with the exact script that I use, you really need to use collaborative language and you really need to have the collaboration mindset of just like, how can we work together mm-hmm. in order to get me compensated fairly? Right. Instead of like, pay me F you, right. Cause yeah. that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> you know, or like storming in good, and like demanding things. Yeah. I think, and again, like the number one thing I hear from women is like, I'm going to lose the offer by negotiating or what if I lose the job and you won't, you just won't, that's not going to happen. Um, and in the God forbid rare case it does, honestly, that's not a company you want to work for anyway. Exactly. If they're not willing to have a conversation with you about your value, about your compensation, they will not see your value during your entire tenure of working there. Mm-hmm. So they're actually doing you a favor. If they're, if they're going to be dicks about it and if they're not going to allow you to have a conversation with them about your value and about your market rate, they're not a company you want to work for. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, I completely agree. I love that. Negotiations are collaborations, not conflict. Yes. They're going to be compromises. Yeah. Well, it's true. I mean, you are like a team, you know, it is a team effort. Like, let's just try and figure out a way that we can both get our needs met and, you know, be happy, have good morale. Like, 
yeah, I, I love that. Cause I, I agree. I think it's, I mean, I think especially women have such a, has such a struggle with it because they either don't feel worthy or they, they don't want to go against like be confrontational or sound like, you know, they're confrontational or a bitch or whatever it is. Like, so there's just so much of that. They don't want to, that, yeah. They don't want to be trouble. They don't want to be, yes, you know, yeah. right. cause any well, problems. What, We're people pleasers for a lot of women are people pleasers. We were raised. Well, because we've been conditioned to do that, right? Mm -hmm. We've been conditioned to just take our opportunities and be grateful. And we've been told that that's just all we should want. Right. And the thing, the thing about negotiations is that, um, you're the, the ironic thing is that they actually respect you more when you negotiate Mm -hmm. every time it's happened with me, every time I've negotiated more, they're like, Oh, Oh, she's showing up. All right, cool. Like, it shows you're actually interested in the job, right? It shows mm-hmm. you know your worth. It shows that that's the standard you're going to set. And again, it's not like an F you. It's just like, no, like I think I'm worthy and, and we're going to have a really great productive conversation today. Um, and here's why I'm worthy. Here's why I'm worthy of this. And I think, yeah, it's, it's we've been conditioned forever to just accept yeah. opportunities as they're given to us rather than saying, oh, no, this is not fair. This is not my fair compensation. And I'm not just going to take it because I'm excited about the job. I'm excited about the job. And I also want to show up and do good work because I feel incentivized to do so. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I would say even like negotiations in corporate jobs or WT jobs, whatever you want to call them. Like are, it's almost as if you are like advocating, I mean, obviously for yourself, but like, I almost like see it as an entrepreneurship kind of, you know, way of like tackling it. Like, no, like this is my price. Like, and this is what I'm worth. And if you expect me to do a good job, like this is the price you're going to have to pay. And right. I don't think people really ever realize, I don't know. I, I, I see it as an entrepreneurship kind of way, just because I guess I am one, but like, I don't know. I just, I'm like, yeah, like I have to basically do that every time I have an inquiry is like, Hey, yes, like right. this is my pricing. Like either you want to pay or not like <laughs> kind of right. deal, but. And you're flexible on it too. Like you can have conversations, like if it's the perfect job or the perfect client, like, you know, and they give you a rate that's under what you, what you marked for, you get to decide if you want to accept that. You Mm -hmm. get to decide if you want to counter, you get to decide if you want to negotiate for another benefit that besides salary. So you have options. Yeah, definitely. Oh, Oh, that's good to negotiate for another benefit besides just, at just asking for a yeah, higher yeah. salary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I talk about that in the workshop of how to like do a, it as well as the benefits you can negotiate. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, it's true. Like a day the phrase, off everything's negotiable. Oh, PTO, flexible schedule, signing bonus, stock options, a better wow. title, education stipend, a commute stipend. There's a million things we can negotiate. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh my gosh, that's insane. Okay, everyone needs so to take good. Tori's course right now. <laughs> I, see, I, I give it pretty much once a month, so come say hi. And yeah, you can tune in from anywhere in the world and you get a free playback of the workshop and everything oh, too. So yeah. Okay, oh, awesome. awesome. What I love in one of your um, workshops, you have a psychologist because we talk so much about money mindset and how, I mean, really mindset and everything that we do is important, but yeah. especially with money, um, kind of going back to that ostrich metaphor, like most people don't even want to put like, look at their bank account. They don't sign in. Right. They just, you know, do the auto payments and just don't even look. And um, it's really all about mindset. Um, and I think that's so important that you have someone there to like, you know, reference that part of it too because it's so important she is one of the most brilliant people i know and is a good friend and uh i was just so honored with her or, or honored to collaborate with her and i can speak to a lot of the mindset stuff but she actually goes into literally like what's going on in your brain yeah like when you're going to spend money or what's going on in your brain when your first money memory is your parents denying you something or like having a really negative relationship around money. Like how does that affect you now going into goal setting and like the importance of like, she's just so brilliant and we're, we were so proud. Yes. We created master your money together, which is Mm -hmm. like eight week online course. That's basically all you can eat to get your financial shit together. Um, (laughs) and we released it in January, sold out just like gangbusters. Like we, we blew the roof off the place, did not expect it to go as well as it did. Um, and then we'll probably relaunch it in September, but it, I am so proud of this thing. Like I'm so proud of it. And it's classic her and I where, yeah, we're talking about really meaty digestible things and we're giving you a lot of homework. 
And then, yeah, Timothy Chalamet gifts, John Mulaney gifts, like <laughs> Parks and Recreation <laughs> gifts in between and like weird references. And we like pop into each other's sections and like mm -hmm. talk as our voices. And so, yeah, we're, we were just, we had a blast making it because it was literally like two good friends sitting down and like making this thing together. Um, and we're just really, really proud of it. And we're seeing like huge results from people already. And wow. I think we're in week six or seven now of this first cohort. And yeah, it's, 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 we're just so proud of it. Is it a live it, workshop or is it a, like a webinar or how does it work? It is actually all written. So it's go oh, at your own pace. Amazing. And we did that oh, on purpose. Okay. Um, and both from the psychology side, Alexis likes to explain it where your brain retains better if you can actually read it yes. and you can see it and you can take notes and then you can go back later. Mm -hmm. um, and then we pop in with like group coaching. So there's a accountability group. We do okay. two group coaching sessions and that sort of thing. And then we had an optional like one-on-one -on -one coaching upgrade too, where you could work uh, both oh, with Alexis awesome. and I one-on-one, -on -one. but that's probably what we'll do in September as well. But yeah, we're just, we were so proud of it. We were so proud that's of awesome. what we built. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite Instagram posts of yours is where you just re reframe the things that people say, like, instead of I'm bad at money, try this, I'm learning. And instead of, uh, there's no way she can afford that. Try this. I don't know her financial situation. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, instead of LOL, I'm so broke, try this. I'm working on my financial goals. I mean, just reframing those mm -hmm. things are so valuable. So definitely be sure and go check out her Instagram because it is a wealth of good information like that. And um, your wealth pun, that's that just, was good. <laughs> But, um, but I didn't even, I didn't even yeah. do it on purpose. I wish I could. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. The LOL I'm so broke is the one that really gets me. Um, mm -hmm. I could, yeah, I'll probably go on another 40 minute rant about that one. But like, <laughs> unfortunately, like it's just because we grew up like usually either during or post 2008 financial crisis, post 9-11, like, you know, student debts at an all time high. It's very easy for us to like make a joke out of being broke yeah. and just like almost make it like. Uh, it's like our self-deprecating way of like being funny mm -hmm. and like being relatable, but like, LOL, I'm so broke is like, it's, let's just stop saying that in 2020. Yeah. Like, I just don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to say it. It's just such, it's such a, um, it just drives me crazy for two reasons. One, usually the people who are saying it are not actually that broke. Yeah. It's just like, it's a fun joke of like, oh my gosh, I can't go out tonight. I'm so broke. Yeah. And it's like, no, there's actually people who can't afford to go out tonight because they're legitimately broke. Mm -hmm. So it grinds my gears for that reason. And two, it's, it's again, like glorifying this thing that you could hopefully make strides into changing. Yeah. Like you can, you can, if it's just a lack of awareness that like you mm -hmm. can, you can change your financial life through good habits and like yeah. I just hate the LOL. So broke. Yeah. <laughs> I just hate it. Oh, it was, I mean, in college, like literally everyone would just everything, everything we did, it was like, Oh, huh, I have to go buy my books. Like I'm so broke. Like, you know, or mm -hmm. just right. everything. It was just like an other opportunity to say that. And you definitely get yeah. into that like mindset of it. You're like, Oh yeah, I am like, but I'm not like, I don't know. Right. You're in control of and, it. And, so. and I want to be very clear. If you're actually broke, I totally yes. understand. Oh, no, of course. Like, I'm uh, even me saying like, stop saying LOL. So broke is coming from a place of privilege. And I want to mm -hmm. acknowledge that, but it's more people saying it and either not really meaning it or using it as an excuse to not get their shit together. Yeah. Like that's, that's where it really bothers me. Yeah. Right. I agree. Definitely. It's just a, it's just a, a way for them to try and make themselves feel better about or masking it. something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, and it, I do feel like there is, um, I feel like there's so much more pressure that girls your age, because y'all are close to, in, closer in age than me, mm -hmm. uh, and and but girls your age, my daughter's age, there are there's this bachelorette to fly to. There's that, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, uh, dirty thirty birthday party to fly to. There's big expenses for some of Huge. the girls that are your age, Huge. and it's it's like that's, I think what is contributing to a lot of the credit card debt. And, yeah. and I think it's hard for girls, especially to just be able to say, Hey, I'm sorry. I love you, but I can't afford that trip. That's a mm -hmm. tough thing to say though. 
it's super tough and it's, it's really easy for the other person to take that personally as, oh, they don't, they, they must not like yeah. think we're friends or they must not feel committed to our friendship. And that's why, again, talking about money, right. In every aspect of your life, but it's super important to also have difficult money conversations with people mm -hmm. and to understand and frame it in a way like you just did, like, Hey, I love you. I love our friendship and I'm going to do everything I can to attend the wedding. Or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to send you a gift or I'm going to celebrate you some other time or whatever that looks like, but I can't be in the bridal party. I just can't afford it. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I can't fly out to your destination wedding in Fiji, even though I love you. You know, I just can't do that. I can't, I can't financially make that work. And I hope you can respect that, but I love you and I care about you and I'm sending you all of, you know, the congratulations in the world. Right. Yeah. And, and on the receiving end, if you get that, you have to be the person with enough humility to say like, wow, I'm really glad that they were able to have that difficult conversation with me. Yes. I imagine that was really hard. And yeah, I'm going to support them. I, the last thing I want, the last thing you should want is somebody to go into debt so they because, can, yeah. you know, wear that bridesmaid's dress one time or so they <laughs> right. can, you know, again, fly out to your, to your destination wedding wherever. And you know, be super happy that they're, they're supporting you, but also, you know, thinking to themselves, like, how the hell am I going to afford this? So yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, again, it's having really transparent conversations with people that are really difficult, but it's all vulnerability and vulnerability is super hard, but mm -hmm. you have to do it. And, and if you're on the receiving end, you like do everything you can to not be bitter because yeah. that's, that's not a good friend, right? It's, yeah. If you're on the other end, like if you go on Twitter, you see a bunch of these where it's just like, somebody is brave enough to say like, Hey, I really love and support you, but I can't yeah, attend your wedding. I can't go to your bachelorette party. I can't be part of your bridal party. And the girl is just super, super petty. And it's just like that. Yeah. I guess we're not friends. Like I thought you were committed to this friendship or whatever. And it's just like both parties need to be really vulnerable and honest yes. with each other and understand like, this is not, this is not an attack on their friendship. This is not, um, this is, this doesn't say anything personally. It's just like, you know, I can't afford it and that's okay. Yeah. It's and maybe not have the conversation on Twitter. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's more, it's more like a friend is going and posting what this other friend said or yeah. like seeing yeah, an article about it. Yeah. It's less right, like right. them going back and forth on Twitter, but that's yeah, good. it's just, that's it's good. really interesting. Glad to hear that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough though. It is. Yeah. I do feel like there's a lot of pressure. Um, there's everything's bigger. It seems like these days. Right. Yeah. Well, I think so, social media for sure being a huge pressure, oh, but huge. it's funny that we talk about this. Cause I like in the middle or towards the end of planning my wedding, I get married next mm. week. And oh, so gosh, what? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's Thank huge. You. Um, but it just, it, it was like a lot to, you know, handle because I feel like, well, for weddings, especially because I work weddings, especially like mm, I'm a wedding photographer, right. like there's a lot of, I see a lot of expectations and all this. And then, but I know obviously like financially it's very expensive. And so for me, it was a lot of like mind work, like trying to make everyone happy, trying to find like the cheapest right. dress possible. And like, and I think I got a little too like involved with it and I should have just been like, Hey guys, like this is kind of what we're thinking. Like, please just be more transparent with me. And like, you know, talk to me. Like if, if this isn't going to work, like no worries, like totally fine. Like let's figure out a different way or whatever it is. But I think having those conversations are very hard and, you know, I did have to have a lot of those conversations and it was very, I mean, I appreciated them because I would like rather know beforehand than like, you know, right. Oh, last minute. Sorry. Like, you know, I don't know. So I think, um, especially with weddings and just with anything, I think with our generation, like social media has really like, I mean, there's kids in call and I mean, sorry, like junior high and like high school that like, just they, like, there's no such thing as an awkward stage anymore. Like everyone just looks amazing all the time. And where's like the cutest clothes. And I'm like, what happened? Like, I have, like, did you look at my like elementary school and junior high photos and it is horrible and it's fine. Like I, I appreciate that stage, but like, there's just so much like, uh, comparison all over social media. And we expect that for our own life and it's just not feasible at all. So, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. That's a whole nother conversation, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, I, I know think we have to that we, 
I do think it's good that we touched on it though, because it is so, all of that is important and that's transparency. It goes back Mm -hmm. to transparency again and being honest and vulnerable. And that's what you do such a good job of Tori. And so thank you for that. And yes, Yes. we, unfortunately we could make this like a three hour podcast, but (laughs) I don't know if anybody would listen at least to me, but I mean, I would, (laughs) I'm biased. Yeah, we would listen, but uh we'll just have you back again sometime yeah i would love that Um, thank you so we like to wrap up every episode with two questions that we ask every audience or every guest um the first question being what is your definition of success i am really trying to answer these sorts of questions differently um for so much of my life i have been focused on my achievements and my self-worth has been tied up in my accomplishments Mm -hmm. and in the past year or so, I'm really trying to separate my self-worth from that. So normally I would say success is, I don't know, front page New York Times and this amount of money, but I really think that success is, for me, am I changing people's lives, and am I going to be happy at the end of the day? Am I going Mm -hmm. to be on my deathbed and be like, okay, I made a positive impact on the world, I am happy and fulfilled, and hopefully other people are happy and fulfilled because of my work. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's so easy to get caught up in everything else. So I love that. It's such a great answer. So good. Such a great reminder for all of us. Mm -hmm. And then also, what are the three words that come to mind when you think about money? Freedom, wealth, and transparency. Love it. Uh, yeah. So good. So freedom. Freedom's my big one. Yeah. Having funds is yeah. having freedom. Yeah. I agree. I, I think, think we've gotten freedom is probably, I was going to say, I think it's probably the one that we've heard the most. Mm-hmm. We hear a wide variety of, you know, positive and negative when we ask that. Yeah. Um, but freedom is definitely the one I think that we've heard the most. We'll have to go, we'll have to, we need to do a tally. Yeah. We need to start yes. doing yeah. a tally. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. All those. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Tori, thank for you. all of your amazing wisdom. And we are so excited for our audience to check you out and sign up for all the courses and look at all <laughs> the free resources that you offer. Um, but please share where everyone can find you, um, how they can sign up. Get, do you have a newsletter? Tell us everything. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. This was a blast. Um, you can find me her first hundred K.com at her first hundred K on all the socials. That's H E R F I R S T one zero zero K.com or at her first hundred K. Like I said, Instagram's my primary platform, slide my DMS, come say hi. Um, and yeah, I do workshops and coaching all of the time. So chances are whenever you're listening to this, I have a workshop coming up. Um, and if you're listening and you either run a conference, you, uh, are, um, either an entrepreneur or you uh, have some sort of influence at your company. I also do workshops in person. I do corporate workshops as well as um, conference speaking and that sort of thing. But yeah, just come talk to me. Slide in my DMs with your money questions. I'd love to be able to help. Awesome. awesome. So good. Thank you so yes. much. Thank, Thank you. So you. Much. You're seriously the best. <laughs> Thank <Yes>. you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Okay, you all know the drill. Please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. And might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there. And let's keep the conversation going on Instagram. Share your favorite part from this week's show. And we'll see you next Money Monday. Bye. Bye.